You can listen to this episode of Welcome to the OC Bitches ad-free on Amazon Music. Jesus, wherever you are, that's where, what is it? Wherever oh, you go, yeah. that's, oh, Che. Yeah. <laughs> wherever you go, there you are. Wherever you go. I was watching, I was like, oh, we should have cut back one more time. Anyway, it would have been funnier. Okay. <laughs> I had some notes on myself. Oh, good. Watching. Did you? Yeah. Let's Just so I was like, whoa, that cue came in a little bald. I have questions. All right. Because uh, Rachel, <laughs> Rachel doesn't remember anything about this season. Well, I don't, I mean, I haven't watched season four anything you know well 15 years but i'll save it for the thing I, last time my foot was really going i gotta watch that I oh do really this a lot and then when you go wide my foot's bouncing i'm just like <laughs> i'm like this I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bouncing calm, calm around yeah i'm gonna try to be calm oh boy well so great to be here so i have to turn this way okay you don't have to look at that no i like to see what's coming oh boy <laughs> he doesn't like any surprises this one nope <laughs> you might recognize the voice Heckling. It's a new season. It is season four. Welcome to the OC Bitches. Uh, for welcome to the OC Bitches, season four, episode one. Yeah, the, the Avengers. Avengers. You guys are aware there is no season five. Oh, this is the last season. We could do like a podcast, season fictional five? season five. You know, like a write it. Podcast. I can. I can read a oh, part. We could actually yeah, read. I the can scenes. read a part. <laughs> I can read a part. <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, That's not a bad idea. That's a lot of work. Oh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Look at you're signing yourself I mean, up. You okay. have time. <laughs> well, yeah, down. Well, then let's start with the fact that, okay, so season three just ended and going into season four, I think you've said this Did before. Did we say Josh Schwartz is Oh, us? yeah, this is Josh Schwartz, the creator of the show. <laughs> with a sweatshirt. Yeah. That I just a got. Christmaca sweatshirt. Merry Christmaca. Christmaca. Oh, Thanks. what's the sticker on it? Is there like a barcode I left on there? Sorry. Uh, it says discount. <laughs> <laughs> dollar store. Emporium. Yeah, dollar store emporium. Anyway, okay. So going into the fourth season, Peter Liguori, who was the head of Fox, picked us up for 16 episodes. And what was that like? <laughs> well. Or how did that process go? Or any, any memories any from that? Any tidbits? I mean, we, we definitely went to some dramatic lengths at the end of season three for a variety of reasons in an effort to boost uh, ratings and uh, attention and relevance. And I think we also had some creative reasons for doing it as well uh personal read you know it was, a, it was a big complicated stew of stuff that went into the at way season three ended mm-hmm. uh yeah, I, I think people s- always have like questions they, and- they always have questions and it's complicated and and uh it's a lot a lot to unpack which i refuse to talk about here but anyway <laughs> but uh if we need answers but I, what i will say is as soon as that episode aired at the end of season three the response online from fans. Mm-hmm. Tumblr was really big in 2000 mm-hmm. and whatever year it was, six. I think immediately it was like, oh God, what have we done? Really? That people were so upset. And, in a, and a, a vocal majority of the fans who were not the kind of people to go on message boards at the time, were not television critics, were just people who watched the show, young girls who watched the show, college kids, whatever it was. High school, junior high. And immediately, I remember going online that night that the episode aired and going, oh, shit. Really? Man, this People are having a response to this that, yeah. that it was more emotional 
more upset in a way that shook me, to be honest. That being said, in a, in a kind of just from a place of keeping the show alive and, and sustaining the show, a lot of people tuned in for that episode. There was a lot of response to that episode. And there was a feeling like, well, we did this thing and now we are committed to it. Mm-hmm. Let's try to see it through. And let's really, there was a lot of cr- criticism about season three, some of it very fair, that some that we had let, in, we had let some of the melodrama kind of overtake the show. Some of the humor had gone away. We had overinvested in characters that the audience wasn't as invested in that weren't our main character. There was a lot of kind of, and so we really wanted to use season four as a reset. Mm. And to get back to some of the humor, some of the self-awareness, some of the fun, and really reinvesting in the core relationships and the core characters of the show. Right. So we were committed to this thing, however uneasy we felt about it after the fact, and we were really going to see it through. And I do think that season four um, was a real creative rebirth for the show. And I think uh, I'm really proud of season four. I think it was really fun. I Mm -hmm. think some of the new characters that we introduced, you know, like Che Mm -hmm. really worked. Characters like Taylor Townsend, we really invested in the show. Caitlin, um, and then also gave all you guys a real opportunity and bigger story. And not bigger stories, but just really recentered the show and refocused the Mm -hmm. show. So 16 episodes was less especially coming off of doing 27 and but 20, nowadays 16 is still a lot <laughs> 16 would be <laughs> double would yeah. be double what right. that's two seasons of right. a streaming show so you know we had done 27 we had done 25 multiple times so like 16 it felt like a, a lack of confidence in the show moving forward but it allowed us to be more focused in our storytelling and obviously you're not kind of vamping it's hard to come up with 27 episodes of stories sure. we've talked about so it was hard it was tricky um, but I do think that out of all of that came a really rewarding and um, satisfying season. Let me ask you this. So there was, there's been talk that, you know, was it a potential way to, to send Marissa off with Jimmy to have it open where she could come back and Marissa was the one that said, no, I want to die? No. It wasn't presented as a choice per se. It was it. presented as this is where we're going. And then once season. it was going to happen, I thought she was saying, or maybe she just like, I want like a really I like she, big send off. And she committed, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. she, she committed to it for sure. Yeah. Right. It's hard to watch. And, and saw it through for the whole, you know, she knew it was coming prior, obviously shooting that episode and, mm-hmm. and was a real professional about, um, seeing it through. Yeah. Right. Some of the younger, um, Ben and Adam and Misha were talking about getting onto different parts of their career. But we can we couldn't. Do and this. Rachel, why are we leaving Rachel out of this? She was as big a diva as the rest of them. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was not, but I was actually working simultaneously during were, season four. Were. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> but a funny story. You can't do the show without the that's boys. a funny story. The core of the show was always fundamentally this the brothers, the brothers, and the father son dynamic. I mean, that was obviously what we really kind of built the show around initially, mm-hmm. and it felt like as much as Ben and Adam may have wanted to move on to other things at that time, there we you know there was no doing the show without them. Right. Right. What was the funny story about me? Oh, let's oh, let's just uh, <laughs> enough about, about Ben me. and Adam. Make it make more about Rachel. Yeah, yeah. This whole show is about them. Let's just like pivot. <laughs> so uh, Doug Lyman um, directed the first two episodes of the show, mm-hmm. which we've talked about, and uh, Simon Kimberg, who we've also talked about, I believe, to some extent, because they were prepping Mr. and Mrs. Smith while yes. we were prep shooting the the pilot of the OC, and then Simon and I became. While we were nemeses, while that was happening, because we were competing for Doug's attention, it wasn't much of a competition. He was clearly much more interested in directing, was much more excited about directing Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> Simon reached out about Rachel's availability for a movie called Jumper, 
that Doug Lyman was directing. I actually think initially they started with Brody for, uh, for the main part, for the main for part the dude? but that was like more of a commitment than we could possibly let him out for. I don't even know how I don't even know how Adam felt about it. <laughs> anyway, but the love interest role was less involved, I guess involved less shooting days than necessarily the lead character did. And so they reached out about Rachel to do it. And we said, well, we'll figure it out. We'll work it out. And I remember saying to Simon, and I did say this to you, although I'm sure you have no memory of it. <laughs> they were like, it's only for three weeks or six weeks oh or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> and I was like, knowing Doug, having just worked with him a little bit, I said, you will be shooting this movie long after the OC has gone I'm off the air. I'm still shooting it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, and it went on for a year. Two year, two year shot. I shot that for a year and a half. Yeah. So I was right. But you guys did let me. It was we did. We let you. I don't like this version of the story where it was like they really wanted Brody. They're like, ah, well, there's less days, so let's get Bilson. Oh, I mean, two different parts. Were they? Yes. One is the guy who's jumping. Okay. One there's one's the guy. Why is the guy's the jumping? The jumper. He's jumping. But uh, and we always try to accommodate people's schedules to the best of our abilities and let people go out and do things while we were. I will say you and Stephanie. And Bob at the time, every, yeah. like you're always, you have a reputation for being the most accommodating, nicest, you know, reasonable we tried. showrunners. We always tried to make it work. <laughs> and, we, and we've tried to do that on all of our shows um, when there's opportunity yeah, for actors. I mean. You want to create, you know, especially on a long running show. Right. right. You know, but. Um, you were so great to all of the people on Gossip Girl as well. We were. We, I I mean, we gave them a lot of opportunity to, to go do other stuff while they were giving you credit, man. Thanks. I Take even it. did an episode of CSI that was our direct competition at the same time. So I was on at the same yes, time. Yes, <laughs> different networks. Who were you playing? Like Lady, like a Lady Dominatrix Heather. Lady Heather. The Dominatrix, yeah. Lady Heather. But I was like, I hope this isn't a problem. Because yeah. at first, actually, when they came to me, Fox said, no, you can't have her. And I said, it's not up to them. It's just a guest role. It's up to the line producer. It's up to Josh and... The, and sure enough, because I ran into the producer at CSI, and I said, "Why don't you just talk to Bob and or whoever?" Yeah, Bob. Man. And 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 you guys let me out to do yeah. it. So they're very there nice. You go. So there very you nice. Go. We try to accommodate. So anyways, we went into anyway. season four, creative hard reset. Let's just really mm-hmm. make it fun. Because what if this is our last season? And it's felt like it, you know, and that's that's where the table. Did you kind of know at the beginning that it would be the last? I mean, we definitely the overwhelming evidence was that mounting that way. I will say there was a point where we were like, because you, know, you start making the show before it airs, and we had made like four or five episodes of season four, and I was like, I don't know. This feels really good. This um, feels like the show maybe again. Maybe we could today. get it back. Yeah, maybe we'll get it back. And uh, and then when the show premiered, the ratings were you know off, and it was clear that this would be the end. So that being said, we went for it, and I, I and I do think it was a really I'm really proud of season four. I would like to say that I first of all, I was so excited about this. I mean, as sad as I mean, it was emotional. We we discussed this with Michael Cassidy as our guest for the last episode, yeah. which was interesting. Your co-host. The co-host. Yeah. But it was <laughs> interesting that we were, this. not only was the storyline difficult, but I remember it being emotional for all of us, just our own personal feelings about it. Yeah. And But then when it did happen, I knew, it was like, whoa, what is the writing going to be like for Julie? Because she literally said, I've done all of this, even though it was misguided, I've done all of this for you, Marissa. And if that's really what her core is, this will be really interesting going into this. So I knew that it was going to be amazing opportunity acting wise for this character mm-hmm. going into it. And I had fantasies or ideas about what it was going to be. And I was really, really surprised when I got the script that we had pushed into, you know, five months later yeah, and all that. And we, well, that was a conversation too. I mean, we had to deal with the grief. It was, it was a tough kind of, we had 
two things that we needed to do, right? One was we wanted to make the show fun and funny again and bring some humor back to the show. But we had this incredible tragedy that we had to unpack and deal with and that the audience needed to grieve, the characters needed to grieve. It felt like picking up the show in the immediate aftermath of Marissa's death would have been so overwhelming yeah. and so dark and so heavy that we would never have gotten out of it, you know? Right. Um, and it would have taken the entire season to get out of it. So if we could pick up five months later, not that anyone has remotely moved on, and obviously a lot of the first episode, the first couple episodes are about everybody in some version of grief, denial, you know, um, pain that they have not really dealt with. But it would give us just enough space. We did the first three episodes. I remember feeling like crying constantly for three episodes. Yeah, and then we get to the third episode where, you know, what you guys will do. Yeah. And that's where Julie can finally kind of let go. That's where, where Summer can let go because Summer's dealing with a lot of denial, not just liberating rabbits and you're not just <laughs> doing weed whacking and like oh my God. moving built-ins. But like that you're – that you got – it's all – Everybody has just not really dealt with this big, heavy thing that has landed on them and is trying to distract themselves from that. Obviously, Ryan just wants to feel as much pain as possible. You think? And so he's gotten into cage fighting. Okay? I mean, I have – wait, let me read the synopsis really quick. Oh, we've already blown past everything? We've No, <laughs> but I we just like to, you know, uh, following Marissa's sudden death, Ryan takes a job at a bar and moves out of the Coens while he struggles with his grief. Seth is working at a comic book shop in Newport, and summer starts her fall semester at Brown, written by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, directed by Ian Toynton. Original air date was November 2nd, 2006. Really so, well directed by Ian Toynton. Yes, yeah, and, and also, I mean, you made a mention, and I think the ratings for the first season, for the finale of season three were eight-something, and this one did drop to, like, the threes. Don't remind him. Well, but but, <laughs> but but for some reason, this was the lowest one. It went up. Our ratings oh, went up. Oh, really? For, I mean, who knows? That may have been also, like, where we were in the schedule, what we yeah. were up against, what yeah. we were on. Yeah. I mean, but it was just, like, yeah, there was always wacky things going on at Fox, too. Like, who yeah. we were against. Was it all Friends, sure. CSI, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but 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 then our ratings get gained. Mm -hmm. But for some, so, but well, this. That oh, may have been a lot of people going, I'm not watching that show after they killed yeah, Marissa. Yeah. I'm mad. Yeah. And, you know, there's no hope for for Ryan and Marissa, if there's no hope for these four characters, then what am I watching for? Mm -hmm. And then maybe word of mouth brought some people back. Getting the help you need doesn't have to be a challenge. Talkspace is so convenient and accessible, you can get mental health care with or without insurance to fit your needs. It's important to prioritize your mental health and wellness every day. Because when you work on yourself, you'll start to see and feel positive changes in all areas of your life. The long-term effects of therapy can give you the tools to deal with challenges as they arise, strengthen your relationships, and give you a more optimistic outlook on life. There's no better time to invest in yourself more than right now. I am such a huge advocate of therapy. And I know it can be intimidating or people don't know how to get to it or doesn't feel like it's accessible, but Talkspace handles all of that. Getting started is the most important part. There's no need to wait until something goes wrong in your life or work with a therapist. Of course, Talkspace is also there to help with any specific challenges you might be facing. It's the number one online therapy platform with thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. Even when things are good, it's good to just check in mm -hmm. with somebody who's there for an unbiased support and opinion. 
And that's something that Talkspace can help with. It's, it's something that people should include in their everyday life. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash OC. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash OC to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's Talkspace.com slash OC. Start your year off right with non-toxic kitchenware so you can ditch the chemicals and make healthier cooking a piece of cake. With our exclusive discount, you can now save on the full suite of caraway products, including food storage, tea kettle, and mini cookware. I'm obsessed with the mini cookware. I just keep expanding my collection because I love caraway so much. I got my eyes on the food storage because that's next. I just did the same thing. You did? Yes, it's in my cart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I love that. I mean, it's because I <laughs> game been, changer. Well, I've been putting stuff in plastic for so no, long. No, yes, yeah, no, yeah. No, Caraway's home non toxic kitchenwares are all designed for the modern home and feature a chemical free ceramic coating. So food can be prepared with peace of mind that no hard to pronounce compound will leach into your healthy ingredients. And their ceramics. Naturally slick surface means minimal oil or butter for slide off the pan eggs and easy cleaning. This just describes like literally this week. I keep the one bigger caraway um, pan like literally on my stove. Mm -hmm. And I just made some and and I, I was cooking a lot of my fish in the cast iron skillet. But it really if you don't have the right amount of oil, it sticks. Mm. Caraway doesn't do that. It sure doesn't. It, it slides right off. It's awesome. And it cleans up so easily. Oh, my gosh. Visit carawayhome.com slash OC to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. The deal is exclusive for our listeners, so visit carawayhome.com OC or use code OC at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. This opening sequence is one of my personal, it might be my favorite music moment, That and Fix mm. You, but I reached out to um, Tim Good, our, the editor, and he said that Ian Toynton loved this opening so much that he made Tim play it for him over and over and over and over again. And I thought it was super powerful. And just the structure well, of it was really fascinating. A couple things. Ian Toynton, one of the all-time best. And uh, just a really, like, dignified British man, silver mane of hair, silver beard, the most passionate human being. And he would always come back and say, he brought a tear to my eye. It was ma or he'd say, it was magic, magic. And the best was he directed T.I., in the spring break episode oh of season uh, two. <laughs> and just hearing Ian be like, oh, T.I. is magic. <laughs> I love this song. And he just wanted to play Bring Him Out over and over again. Oh, my God. The other thing I'll say about this opening is Running Up the Hill, mm -hmm. uh, cover by Placebo in this. Um, and Steph may, I think, pick the song uh, out of all the songs that we had on to, to put it against the opening. But we had Running Up this Hill in the beginning of this episode. Very little acclaim or attention. This year in Stranger Things, they played Kate Bush's Running Up the Hill, number one song uh, in the country in 2022. <laughs> and and Placebo still plays it. Yeah, I just saw it's a great it. cover. Yeah. It is a great cover. And then other shows subsequently have used it as well. But yes, it became the number one show again. Like song. New song. Yeah. CG's all of a sudden like, Mom, yeah. what, this is Kate the best Bush. song ever. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's from my era. Yeah. She thinks <laughs> I'm so cool now. Yeah. She's like, the way you dressed? I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> it's come around. It all comes around. Street cred. But yeah, it opens on that's that note. Dun, dun, dun. And we see the back of Ryan in the Washing water and like yeah. what's and what's going on. What, and yeah. What? Because you brought up the cage fighting. Where did that come from? 
Were you like, I need to make Atwood a cage fighter? Was cage that- fighting was not me. And I asked Steph if she remembered where the cage fighting came from. Yeah. She didn't remember. I think it's either, I think it was John Stevens. It may have been Bob. I'm not 100% sure. It was definitely like a comic book, like Wolverine, mm-hmm. you know, in the X-Men movies when you meet him in the first, the Brian Singer X-Men movies, cage fighting. It definitely had like a pulpy superhero kind of, it just, Fight Club, obviously. There was something about it that was so operatic and insane. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And a lot of season four is insane. <laughs> You're right. But and that's kind of in love a it. good way, in a delicious way. And I remember Brody, who was obviously kind of, you know, if we talked about over it. Yeah. He was like, this cage fighting thing is awesome. <laughs> and because it was Brody, I'm like, is he fucking with me? Is it sarcasm? <laughs> no, I can he, imagine he him being meant like... it. He was like, this is what I'm talking about. So oh my it was, God. it felt really insane and like, what are we doing? But it also felt like exactly what we should be doing, which is not playing it safe, not doing things that you'd seen before on the show. And and Ben is so good. Yes. He looks great. He, he looks, looks like he, I mean, like I think he's never been more attracted to Ben. Me oh, either. His hair. I was extremely attracted to Ben. <laughs> his this hair episode. was just His sexy. hair was great. Perfect. It was like. And he's just, Ben just, yeah, just. Committed. Was he into it? Like, was yeah, he into look, I mean, he's I mean, into yeah, it. I mean, he was into it. He got in that ring and and that scene where he's like, I don't want that guy, I want that guy. Yeah. And you realize he's in there to just get the yes. shit beat out of yes. him, not to beat the shit out of someone else. Yeah. And I think he really, I don't know, he, I think he embraced it he incredibly. Did. He did. And, and so so we see that and we see him on the, on the phone and we see Sandy trying to get to him and he disappears and then he goes and then you see Julie taking pills and then she's so oblivious to this um, like great boots, boots, baby, yeah. and God, you're not boots. supposed to be driving anymore. It's like I wonder what that was about. Right. Just you're giving Why aren't all you of in these... school because it's eight p.m. on <laughs> a Saturday. Yeah, so you're giving all these little tidbits, and then you end with Julie and Ryan at the Mermaid Inn, and you're supposed to make it. The the audience go, "What the fuck? What's going on?" And it was just a great opener. And I remember reading the script. I was one of those that thought had pictured some funeral and having to be prepared for that. And now that I see it, I'm glad that we didn't do go down that road. But this opener was one of the best cold opens that we've ever had, I think. Rachel, do you remember reading the script? Yes. Never I read, read the script. All, I read all Did scripts. not read the script. Sides <laughs> on the day. But yes, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, we made a deliberate choice to obviously lean into the, to the intrigue. And you're like, Ryan and Julie having an affair? Right. Like, what's, what's happening? That's Come on in. The assumption. Yes, let's do it at the Mermaid Inn. I mean, they could have done it anywhere. So but many tawdry could... things happen at the Mermaid Inn. Oh, it's, yeah. We yeah. haven't seen it for a while. Hopefully so. the Mermaid Inn has been shut down by the Board of Health. <laughs> <laughs> but, so we go into, um, you chose Seth having a monologue yeah. and a message for the exposition. To a very mustard-driven mon- monologue. Very mustard-driven. Yeah. I love, I love mustard. Right? You do love mustard. I love you like mustard. hot mustard. I like, uh, I like the spicy brown. <laughs> I like the deli. I like the, the honey. honey mustard. Yeah, there's honey mustard. Kirsten's there got is. the honey Kirsten mustard. That was a very mustard. luxurious My mom, mustard. whose name coincidentally is honey, loves the honey right. mustard. So yeah, there was a big mustard runner. <laughs> Food <laughs> often would play a big part in the show. Just as just a, like today, I'm like, he came out because he can go to Armenian deli and get a sandwich. I'm here because it's close to a sandwich. Right. <laughs> it's raining today in Los Angeles. I, and I, you drove you out. almost didn't come. This is a rainy day women, for sure. For yeah. sure. And no, yeah. literally, I was like, my husband was making fun of me. He was like, Mindy, you're actually you're actually acting like it's the opener of that episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't like, go anywhere. Yeah. Well, they have closed roads and there's, you know, yeah, there's cars spun out. There's multiple car accidents on my way here. Yes, absolutely. We risked a lot to be here today. All for a sandwich. For the sandwich. <laughs> All for the so, sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, okay, so I just shout wanted to ask you. Shout out to the Armenian Deli. That's right. Just shout out to Tarzan Armenian Deli. There yeah. forever, pepper yeah. turkey. I 
changed your life. I you think. did. You changed yeah. my order. You added some pepper to my turkey. I did. Yeah. Sorry. I wanted to ask you, um, just because I think exposition as an actor is one of the more frustrating things sometimes. And But in television, we need to get that out there to the audience. Yep. And I just think it's a, a very creative way to do this that shows what, what Seth is going through, that he's hanging out with noopsies, which is one of my favorite moments. Yeah. And Brody's really funny in he's that really scene funny. with Taryn. When he's like or, laughing, yeah. fake yeah. laughing. Yeah. Fake laughing. Do you always try to come up with a, a creative ways to do exposition? I mean, this is a very unique one, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's always a challenge when you're, when you're you know, whether you're, to starting a new show or coming back from, you know, a passage of time between seasons, you have to figure out a way to catch the audience up where it, the audience isn't going like, who is he? Why is he telling all of this to someone right. when that person have all that information? Mm -hmm. So the idea that he's able to kind of bring the audience into the show, we're able to do it with some levity. You obviously get that he's isolated and alone and sad, but there's some humor to it. We get Luke's twin brothers. Oh my God. Great addition. Great. In the, yeah. They were great with Caitlin, um, which is a great dynamic. And, um, and that he's doing it all to kind of catch Summer up on what's going on. Felt like an organic way to kind of bring both the character and the audience up to speed. I also felt like he was being, you know, we've, we've been, we come down on Seth because he's so self-involved, <laughs> but I felt, I felt like he was being mature and, and this is the way he's dealing with the grief instead of it's, he's almost being helpful and there for his family. Well, Seth is dealing with multiple levels of abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. He, he lost Marissa, obviously like everyone else did, but he lost everyone else and he's the only one who's kind of stayed. Yeah. In that and spot. in it. Mm -hmm. Um, so he leaves a message and then we see Summer at Brown. Which Incredible. is Im immediately Incredible. different. Immediately different. And Chris Pratt just popped. Yeah. Less more tr less trees, more bush. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> From your personal collection. And then. And then. Enter. Che. Enter Che. And Chris Pratt, this like incredible golden bouncing ball, golden retriever, whatever you want to call him, of just like. Joy and light and fun. This was an introduction of Chris Pratt to probably a lot of people. He was, I had met him on Everwood. Which is where Patrick Rush, our casting uh -huh. director, had first oh. cast him. So mm -hmm. that was what they did. Do you remember his audition? Or did he? I don't think he auditioned. I don't remember if he auditioned. Oh. I just know Patrick was like, I have the perfect guy to play Che. When we just, you know, you always talk to your casting director um, as you're starting to put the season together, say, hey, this is the new characters we're going to be having. And what do you got in mind? And, and he was like, Chris Pratt. Patrick okay. was like, Chris Pratt would be great for this. And so we watched him Everwood tape. I, maybe we talked to him okay. a little bit, but then he just showed up and was like, so committed, <laughs> so the guy, yeah. and so funny. Oh my God. Was, I know. I still, to this day, like, I don't know that anyone had made me laugh harder on set than Chris. And by the way, it's what, it's what the show needed yeah. on screen and off. Yeah. Right. It balances out, gives it that lightness and, and, almost, but, but without being silly, he's still kind of grounded. It's well, silly. Yeah, I mean- Later in the season, he does fall in that's love with Seth's spirit animal. That's true. On a camping what? trip. Do you not remember that? <laughs> no. Or, yeah. Um, it does happen. Can I, I kept picturing, though, that his that Che is almost a self-anointed um, like nickname, and that his real name is like Bob or Billy or totally. something. Yeah, yeah. No, he's like because a, he's wearing yeah. the shirt, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. He's a fraud. But um, <laughs> we all know Che. And in that We era, all know Che. That was my first introduction to the didgeridoo. For a lot of people, a lot of people. <laughs> he committed. He learned how to play the didge. The didge. And, uh, didge. He was oh just great, God. and and he raised everybody else's game. Yeah. I think for everybody else who was like 
Dragging their feet. Dragging their feet. Do I still <laughs> want to be here? What's it like now? This whole thing that we've gone through as a show is just the end. Like he was just happy to be there, happy to be working and brought like 110% yeah. to every scene. I, I, I started that season like that. I, I have very, very vivid memories of this season, especially these first three scenes or episodes. Yeah. Because it was because it was also I was taking it home with me. Like yeah. I kept it with me for like three episodes. No, you have a daughter in real life. I mean, yeah. it's Oh, and driving oh, here, yeah. I was thinking about it and I'll I'm just it and I was like, Oh, I need a break after this podcast. <laughs> it's like yeah. it is very emotional. Yeah. It is. Yeah. But um okay, so in the meantime, Seth is at okay, I did want to mention we have this brand new set that was Beautiful. super impressive. Yeah. Are we ever on location in this episode with the comic book shop and that set? Or is it no, all, it's on on it's all on stage? It's on stage. The whole thing. Yeah, we built like a whole town. Mall. <laughs> and it, and the background looked like, because you shoot a real um, outdoor shot, an establishing shot of yep. the beach, and then you pop into the set. And it just looked, I was looking in the background, and it just was really impressive. I just didn't remember it being that impressive on camera. Yeah, we had tried a version of it before with the Crab Shack, and it never oh. quite looked real. We didn't have the space on the right. stage for the backing. You'd have people like walking in the background in just to make background. it to make it look like it was on the you know yeah. road. But this really looked great. Right. This looked great. So we spend a lot of time there for this whole season. It's the bait shop footprint, I think, became this. Oh, the bait, the bait shop is not in out. the fourth season at all. Don't believe so. I could be wrong. It yeah, could I be hundred percent. You wrong. might be right. I have a feeling. It's a pretty big footprint yeah. to build that whole situation. Yeah, it's large. But poor Kirsten is trying to get um, bringing over some a care package and trying to get um, Ryan to come to dinner because you know how are Sandy and Kirsten ha handling this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in the meantime, Seth is working at the comic book store, making little girls cry. Oh, the guy from is it from Sandlot or who's he? What's he from? The the kid with the glasses. You've said the... this before. I have. Wait. It has, has it the, like, his friend Leon. Is it Leon? Yeah, I think so. Has he's I can been picture on him in a movie and yeah. he has snot bubbles coming out of his nose. <laughs> it's not the snot okay. bubbles. Okay. I could be confused. It's something. He's great, though. He's great. He's great. Yeah, the whole posse, the whole comic book. This new year, you've got goals, and Factor is here to help you achieve each and every one of them. Save time and have the energy you need to tackle everything on your to-do list with Factor's ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Get Factor and not only skip the trip to the grocery store, but skip the chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, too. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy. If I'm away... I feel like I've totally left Adam without any, <laughs> he's going to starve. So it's, Factor has so many things that are so great for everybody. I just love it. No matter what your lifestyle, Factor has the meals to help you live it to the fullest with keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and protein plus meals on the menu each week. Prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has all of the ingredients you need to feel satisfied all day long. I love Factor. Sometimes I don't have the time to cook and I have a kid, so I need fast, ready, Food that can just be popped in the microwave or whatever your heating source is and ready to serve. Achieve and maintain your goals this year with Factor. Get America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit and start saving time eating well and living your best year ever. Head to factormeals.com slash OC60 and use code OC60 to get 60% off your first box. That's code OC60 at factormeals.com slash OC60 to get 60% off your first box. So just to go to that a little bit, you know, Seth's leaving these messages and we're seeing Summer erase them and whatever. And then she shows up. She shows what up. Are you jumping. We just Wait. skipped. 
Well, the, I know, but, but I, was just, I was talking about the comic book guy and it just where my brain went. Okay. <laughs> and it was a very important point I need to make. Okay. Yes. Make, make your point. The size of my backpack. That's all you own. That I travel home with. Yeah. <laughs> really hitting the nail on the head. I am now Greenpeace motivated. Granola. <laughs> Every, granola. Crunchy, yeah. Crunchy. Everything Tree I hugging, own. Yep. I have on my back. Yep. And Seth keeps wanting me to get rid of the backpack. Well, he keeps wanting you to go home, and you don't, don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. Right. We see why. We see why. Quite literally. Quite literally. Okay, but sorry, in the meantime, jump, before you do take off to go do that. You are yes. trying to liberate some chickens. You were liberating at SC. chickens. We shot that yeah. at SC. Shot that at USC. Yeah. And, uh, but Taylor Calls, who is now a series regular. Bonjour. The opening credits were a little weird to see, you know, because it's like. Willa and Taylor. It's Willa and Taylor yeah. added, and there was no Marissa. No, Marissa. no Misha, yeah. But she calls from from Perry. Yes. Mm -hmm. But apparently she's actually in the diner mm -hmm. in Newport. Her French is great. Every time she does a language, another language, she really she's nails great. it. Autumn's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Autumn commits. She's, yeah, she's, she's so funny. So, so funny. I was like, what is going on? Now, I I know what's going to happen in season four, but um, but she's a big mystery in this episode. Like, what is going on? She's supposed to be at the Sorbonne, mm -hmm. and she's not. Mm -hmm. Right. Some intrigue there. Yes. Intrigue. Everybody's yep. got secrets and darkness that they're harboring Skeletons. at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Did you guys ever discuss a romance with Che and Summer? Because it's, I think as, as an audience member, you're like, who is this guy? And, you it's know. It's never like that, right? Historically? Uh, it starts to go there a little bit. It does? Yeah. There's a, well, there's a little something that happens Seth in the next episode. Seth gets jealous and, yeah. There's yeah. something that happens? Well, no. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever, I never like kiss him or anything. Do I? No. All I don't right, think spoiler, it gets that I far. But then he falls in love so. with Seth's spirit animal and it becomes a whole other... <laughs> What's his spirit? That's really funny. They go on like a vision quest. Just the two of them? You might be there. I don't know. It's later <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> You might be there. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I look but, forward to but, that. Uh, but no, I would imagine that for the audience, it's it's like, I think there was kind of this love-hate thing with this character of Che because it's yeah, like, they, they you better didn't not know, be yeah, taking exactly. over, you know, but there's exactly. it's a distraction, mm -hmm. uh, a very realistic distraction for Summer because she's, you know, when she gets this phone call and Seth keeps calling her and she finally says to Che, you know, I think I need to go home because I, my friends haven't moved on like I have. She's not moved on, right. clearly. She's she's running. Yeah. She's, she's hiding. Up running. that hill. Running up that hill. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, so we learned that Ryan didn't go to Marissa's funeral. Yeah. Which is, I'm curious what that funeral was. I'm not actually curious because that would be horrible. But he doesn't go. And so. Well, Seth says, you know, he didn't, he's not going to come to dinner. He feels responsible. He, would, he, he feels wouldn't responsible. Go. He was driving the car. He had the, you know. He, he was He was holding car. her. She died in his arms. He feels responsible. That's As a lot of uh, trauma to take on. Yeah. That's why you get into a cage match and let someone beat the living <laughs> shit out of you over and over again. Jeez. Yeah. It's really Volchuk, though. Well, yes. Okay. Obviously. So he, does he come back at all in the fourth season? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so when he goes to do this fight, he... Do you know where Ryan is going at the end of season, episode one? Do you even know he, what's happening? She hands a file that has something to do with Volchuk, but I don't know what's in the file. Oh, boy. <laughs> what is in the file? It's his where he is. It's all the details he knows to go get him it's in his Mexico. Why are there so many papers that have to say his location? It's probably... It's like a dossier of everywhere he's been everywhere for the he's last been. five months. Oh. She's been Julie's having been him tracking. tracked. Yeah. So of course, got it. Yeah. So when he says, I, when he's cage <laughs> fighting, he says, yep. "I want that guy, not the the guy he drew, he drew." That's what yeah, what he wants yeah. to said earlier. He wants the while guy. while Seth is looking for him, 
and leaving messages. And Seth happened. Turns out that the case finding is right next to the bar. So he's able to, or at least near his car. So he's yep. able to overhear that kid's going to get his ass beat. Yeah. And by the time Seth shows up. I love that right as Seth walks in, Ben just gets like slammed into the cage right in front of And he's of his smiling. Because yeah. he deserves yeah. that pain. He feels like pain. he deserves that pain. Yeah. It's very, very powerful. I mean, he wants that pain. I mean, does he feel responsible? Yes. Yeah. Does he feel like he's ruined everyone's life? Yes. I need to stay away. I'm living in a utility closet. He feels like he brought Trey. He brought Volchuk. Volchuk. He's brought nothing but darkness into this world and into this place and wants to he's, just isolate himself. <laughs> yeah, he's wrong. That's what the whole uh, comic book intervention at the end of the episode right. is about. So Summer oh, shows right. up and- well, Summer before we up. get into all of that, yes. let's just cut down to what Julie's been doing so we can go back to what... Julie's just been doing some housework. <laughs> that hat? Everything seems great. That with the bandana with the, and the I... goggles. Julie was masking before it was a thing. <laughs> so I remember this day kind of vividly because... Larry, you're doing nothing. The thing is hitting that there's no leaves no. even going. My any- favorite is when Michael Dory's in the house and you just see this like bush like shaking. Okay, so there was a there was a <laughs> what is she doing to that? So <laughs> b- between the prop um department less trees, more bush, but no one told Julie. <laughs> yeah. First of all, that outfit was kind of a lot to get into. Yeah. So there's clearly this um great. comedy going on. But I remember that we had to choreograph with the prop department. They had they got behind, like, how do we do this? Because this whatever this device was, it was almost like a toy. It wasn't really anything. Thing that was real. It was just a little battery powered thing that wouldn't really cut anything. So the prop department had tied a string to the, and it was, we rehearsed the bushes shaking as he would just shake it with a, with a string. And I would pretend to do this whole thing. And we just had so much fun. We were all laughing the whole set, trying to make this thing like look like it was, you know, yeah. having some kind of compulsion or, or what it was. But, but Julie's in some deep, deep denial. Deep, deep denial. Deep Serious denial. deep denial. And Caitlin but, is kind of, you know, you still have another daughter who needs supervision. Well, and she so reminds us of Marissa, but she is, we've learned, is she's, she's sassier. She is Julie. She's not Jimmy. She's not that wounded bird. She's no, victim. No, there's nothing, she's, nothing victim about, yeah, about no. little Coop. Yeah. No, no, and when, and when we Coop. see her, she's just, she's uh, taken on Corey Price and Wayne Dalglish are the actors who play Eric Ward and Eric and, what is it, the character's name? The twins? Eric and... Not Luke, because it's no. That's the brother. That's the brother. <laughs> the Ward twins. But yep, I, that, the Ward twins. The Ward twins. What they go by? So she's smoking a joint, and yeah. they're like securities. What did she call it? What we used to call it? Oh. <laughs> smoking up? No, they. You gave me like oh. it was like shitty weed. What was it? Oh, uh, she says it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This okay. is us after too much shitty weed. <laughs> <laughs> what does she say? She calls it like uh, shake. Shake? No, it's not shake. Oh. It's um. But it's something like we'll that. insert it here. Dirt. They're just a bunch of rent cops, and the swag you guys gave me is barely caught anyway. But they oversee Neil with a leggy with a blonde woman. Yes, yeah. it's the first time we see the step monster Gloria. Mm-hmm. And the only is that the only time we see her? Yeah, from the back. Yeah. Was there ever discussion of of casting her? Not that I recall. Not that I recall. It was she really was a device for Caitlyn to get some boots. The, to quite ex- to quite explo- the boots they are. Exploit, uh, you know, her stepdad or right, at the gym, right, right. get some boots out of him. Yeah, I mean, smart girl. Yeah. She wants those Balenciennes. What do you know about that? (laughs) (laughs) Julie's trying to pull out built-ins. Yeah. That is, you are just, this whole episode. Hello. 
Oh my Julie God. Cooper needs her own HGTV show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Your heinous furniture. And he's like, it was original with the house. Mahogany. Sure mahogany. Mahogany. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a pill for that. Like, he's throwing some daggers at well, us. You know, he's trying He's trying to be understanding. He's trying to be he's, His patient, patience is but, wearing out. Yeah. Even though five months. Like, what if what if Summer had died, Neil? Come on. But, yes. So, she's, she's doing all these things. But Caitlin, she's still... No matter what, she's still going to protect her mom. And when she confronts yeah. Neil while he's doing this, wearing a flash dance, I love that headband. he's wearing the sweat, little homage to his band. flash dance, Michael Nuri. <laughs> and she's and it, you see this image of the weights going up and down. It's mm-hmm. like a fantastic image. Well, yeah, uh, with her face in between. Yeah, in between, and she manipulates and says, "She's." I mean, she, I just a wonderful character, I think. And and Willa, I, I remember working with her and remembering thinking she's so young but when i re-watch this she comes off so mature mm-hmm. for a 15 year old or 16 at this point which maybe. is kind of will in real life yeah you know, Willa, right. Willa was kind of an old soul right. is an old soul yeah, yeah. but yeah. she does manipulate him into giving getting her these um fifteen hundred dollar boots and then later when summer's walking which, by, by the way, that's fifteen hundred dollars in 2006 money okay right, so that's twenty six hundred dollars now oh did you, you, you so you didn't research any of the characters names but you did <laughs> I know, but you did, some infla- you did some inflation did some calculus inflation. before yeah, we started. That is what my brain does yeah. well. Yeah. 3000 uh, today in yeah. today's dollars. <laughs> exactly. But it says Summer Walks by. Comp- um, I know, and they're being taken out of the And window. I was like, so Neil did buy them. <laughs> he did buy them. She's yes. wearing them. She's putting them on. <laughs> yeah, when she's they, wearing they, them. She's wearing them at the and beginning of the show. What does Summer say? Something about like cows. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we should talk a little bit about some of Summer's environmental perspective because- <laughs> right. You know, not wrong to be concerned about the by the environment, but definitely her calculations are a little off. The ten years, <laughs> in ten years, you know, Newport will be, be underwater. underwater. Are those are Chase calculations. I'd f- like to point 15 out. Fifteen years later, no, no, those are yours. Oh, I guess you're right. No, you're, he says you're it echoing first. What, what what Chase said. So yes. Chase's math is yes. off. Yes, yeah. come on now. But she also says, "Oh, I don't do that anymore. I'm post ironic." And he says, "You mean Ernest?" Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> no, my fa- I texted that one to staff. I'm like, we were really good. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. We got. He texted that to me too. I did. That's why yeah. that's I remember that. What I want to talk about, <laughs> right? Right. <Yeah>. So <laughs> uh, Seth's kind of confronting this whole other version of summer. We're he's, so awkward. Well, you so don't awkward. even run, it, run up to each other and hug. It's just very no. It's very distant, and she's got the giant backpack, and she's wearing <laughs> a shirt about the environment, and just it's not the same, you know. No. And and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever dealt with like the high school. Oh yes, loved one who goes yes, off I to did. college, and then oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well. <laughs> and then you see each other again for the first time, and it's it's different. It's different. It's been yeah. only a few months, and it's like a lifetime. And they're for like sure. almost like a different person. I am a different person. Okay. Summer. Oh, summer. Okay, what are we <laughs> talking about here? Yeah. You know, it it was a very, it is a huge, huge change yeah. from the summer that we saw. Yeah. To just putting you in straight hair, jeans, and a t shirt. It was it went and also the energy. I just felt like it was the biggest change of any character for me personally, yeah. watching visually too, yeah. and the energy. Well, also Ben, he's cage fighting. No, yeah. well, he's always fighting yeah. throughout the show. No, I think your character changed. But he was really like he was sort of like all of the qualities of Ryan to the extreme are magnetized. Yeah, magnetized, magnified, magnified. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, right. and summer, it's a complete one eighty. Yeah, yeah. Even the showering. She won't go home to shower. I'll take a sponge bath exactly. in the comic book <laughs> in the bathroom. Sink. In the in sink. sink. In the bathroom. <laughs> but also, so when she goes to see Ryan, she said, yeah. let me do what I do. And she goes to see Ryan. I love Ryan summer scenes, and we'll get more of them this season. I think, yeah, the Ryan summer romance. Yeah, what, what? Was that ever talked about? Yeah, of course it was talked about. Really? Well, of course we talked about it. Well, why'd you hold out on me? 
Oh, hey. <laughs> 20 years I, later. 20 years was, later. It was, a, it was a reaction to shows that had come before us where they would just take everybody yeah, and, everyone was and repopulate. Yeah. And we're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to bring in new people for them. And that had varying levels of success. And, I, and looking back on it, you're like, oh, I get why they did that because you're getting to see all these characters you've invested in heavily mm. now play off each other in different ways. I wish we had done it. You do you actually I wish, sure do. Yeah, yeah, do. I yeah. sure I sure, I sure do. do. Sure do. <laughs> Golly gee. Yeah. Oh heck. Why would we do that? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh G. Wilkers, I feel like we would have it would have been fun to see. Luke Summer, you know, Seth Marissa, um Julie Seth got around. Marissa, I feel like Ryan Anna, you know, Luke oh, An- oh no, Luke Anna. Luke I think would have been a good dynamic. Um, so many ways to go. There was a lot of ways to go. You're gonna write the And when fifth, and gonna... Gossip Girl came after oh. the OC and we took the lessons of this and that had more people, you know. That had more of the core people mixed mix, Yeah, mix Dan mingling. was with Serena, but then he was with Blair. You know, there was more kind of ah. doing that sort of stuff. So you took a lot of things that you learned yeah. from the OC and applied it to Gossip Girl, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, hmm. it's true. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. very good. So, yeah, Julie so definitely got out. around. Yeah. She had a lot of partners. Julie definitely played you the- did. You played the whole field. Short of <laughs> Sandy, which was never going to happen. Except in Chris McCaha. Yeah, but that's an alternative universe. Oh, that's the alternative. Okay, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Episode. So yeah. Julie gets with Sandy and Che in that one. Yeah. <laughs> really? Who, who am I with? You're incredible in that episode. You were like- <laughs> She's spoiler. back to Holly with Holly. You're like noopsy. Oh, is that summer. the juicy matching yeah. yes. like dance yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You crushed that. that one, yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. So, but in this scene where you go to Ryan- Yes. And- because I know that Ju- Julie, Ryan, and Summer are the ones that are really, really having. Yes. I mean, everyone's having a hard time, but they're they're the three. They're mother, really, best friend, boyfriend. Yeah, boyfriend. The, the primary him. relationships. Yeah. Right. And she, Summer just does. It's so well written, and your performances are so subtle. Like, there's what's not being said is more powerful than what's being said. Mm-hmm. And she's like, finally, just. And she says something that she says, you think you're protecting them. You're just hurting them. And I think that's where he turns and starts thinking. And then she says, and besides, you know, Seth is filling up my message machine. So come on. Yeah. And he makes that decision. But I think he's you are being earnest (laughs) in this. And Mm -hmm. he takes that seriously and and decides to go show up at the comic book store. Just come with me. No, Mm -hmm. no no explanation. And then we get to the comic book store and it's this. The comic book intervention. Yeah. The comic comic book book intervention. intervention. Have you guys talked to Eric White who did the. Atomic we reached, we reached out. We have not. Okay. We haven't talked to him. No, we tried. We did. He didn't. We sent him an email, but nothing responded. No response. So, okay. shout out to Eric White. Awesome. Right. He yeah. did such great work. He was super into it. Maybe he didn't get the email because I feel like he'd want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Because he did. He created a lot of work for the sh- like a lot of comic book work for the show. That we had our own little runner comic book for a moment of Atomic County, and he just did really. It was really cool the work that he did. It really, you know, you believe that Seth could pencil that but it also felt really mm-hmm. professional at the same time right what was it Elevated. like for you re-watching this uh, since you haven't seen it in a while the whole episode that and the comic book part everything worked really i'm like oh this holds up because i you know i would have my, i have a lot of you know my own memories and misgivings what have you and so then sitting down to actually watch the show is always a very weird transportative experience mm-hmm. and i thought it was really effective and i thought just like re-seeing uh, if i do say so myself and uh and just like re-seeing some of the kind of iconic scenes from the show, but now in comic book form and how everybody's kind of letting Ryan know that he's made their life better. I thought it was really moving. I thought it was emotional. 
Yeah. Which becomes a theme through the season, the yeah. rest of the season, about how because that's what Chris McCaha yeah. is about as well. What would happen if Ryan had never come to the OC? Yeah, because he's still questioning oh. that. Yes. You know. Yeah. I think in so many ways. What if we do the the reboot and Summer and Ryan actually wound up together? <laughs> then won't do the podcast. You think he's going to do the reboot? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm just pitching it. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, anyway, okay, so. <laughs> it, it, there was a moment too where everyone's saying their lines and finally yeah. um, Ryan says I can read so yeah, yeah. just let me read <laughs> yeah. it because it wasn't going to well, we never wanted the show to get too sentimental we're always trying to have somebody make Throw a sarcastic a there, yeah. ironic yeah. aside yeah. right right so summer so, might be post ironic but the show was not <laughs> right. so is somehow it works it clicks he and Sandy or he drops Sandy we're or, back into the dynamic of Ryan yeah. and Sandy in the car together and mm-hmm. You know, he gives him one little dynamic. thing about saying you might not ever get over it, but you'll get used to it. And he's like, yeah. just one thing at a time. Yeah. And and is the pool the pool room still open? And pool house, yeah. Pool pool house still open. <laughs> the pool room. He's kind of living in the the room with the pool. It's really table. interesting his accommodations. He doesn't need a lot. He's a simple man. He is a simple yeah. man. Yeah. With a harbor sweatshirt and pictures of well, Marissa. That was really but he seeing those it pictures. In the trash. But he keeps the sweatshirt. When he throws out that box. That is harsh. Yeah. yeah. I was seeing like, the pictures Wait. was really like, oh. Yeah. But the pictures and everything. So he really is at this, you know, so he is trying to escape. And then when we go back to the open opener and that gets more explained in more mm-hmm. detail, we see that the phone call was Julie. Yep. Meet me shows up and she says, I've got this file. And even though you didn't come, I um, to, I know that you care. I didn't go to the police with this. I didn't go to the police. Because I want, I want. Mm-hmm. A different kind of justice. Because I know you can do this. And Julie's convinced that he'll go after him yeah. and kill him. And when he says, I want nothing to do with this, she's like, what? And because he's resolved, I mean, I think Julie's just like devastated because she's- That's been her plan. This uh-huh. whole time yeah. to, to give him this. She's not going to do it, but yeah. you can do this, which is so like- That's pretty fucked up. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like- so when he doesn't do this, but then he throws the, these photos out and then he decides that he's going to come home. And that's when he says, uh, the guy says, you you know, I hear you're getting out of here, but there's one more fight. The guy wants a rematch. And he, he decides to go ahead and do that. Well, we don't know what he decides. We think he was, we, we, we don't know what he's going to do in that moment. We think maybe, oh, that's he, true. maybe yeah. he's just taking the fight. He's leaving. And then you find out that he went to the fight and this time he fought back. And he's kind of unleashed. Here he comes. Yeah. It's his rocky moment of comeback. Yeah. And he's like, he, he's kind of like found a version of himself. It's still not, I would say, the emotionally healthy version of himself, but he is no longer a victim. And now he's become the aggressor. Right. Do you think I have the tiger should have played here? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because. I think it would have undercut the moment a little bit. <laughs> right. So, but he was going to go home. So we don't know that he did that because he says, okay, I'm going to go home. Yeah, we think he's going to go home. He's going to go home. But then we see them at the, he's at the gravesite for the first time. Yep. Julie comes up. She's, she's there. Turns out she's there every, every day, day, which is, we didn't know that about her. And like, and, and so when she says, what well, changed your mind? Then we, then it's revealed that this, this he happened. He got in the ring and he kind of unleashed. His... And, and now he's like, cause I have to do this. Cause I have to do this. He says it quite, I remember that too. I do too. I, I do too. Because we were Isn't like, that the end of the episode? Yeah, I have yeah. to do this. But we were trying to find the line of like, where that felt, you know, like the, the, the shocker to go out on. It is quite shocking. Yeah. And what's interesting is 
I think we're all to assume that he's going to do what Julie wants him to do. Yeah. Which we is, think we're like, oh, Ryan, don't do oh, this. No. You're going to just make so it everything coming, worse. Coming back to the Coens, I'm so but curious yet you're going to go gonna, after Volchuk. What he's yeah. going to do? Are we going to see what he's going to do? Oh, yeah. You're going to see in the Bro. next episode. You just are out there just letting it all hang out. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But it's <laughs> yeah. also interesting. Goes to Mexico. Because when Julie's sitting, when Kirsten comes to see Julie and she's like, it's not a good day. And this phone call, like, what was that phone call? Oh, she's yeah, like, who oh, was thank that? God. It's Ryan. No, it was the, the investigator telling her. We found, her, we found her. We found him. We found, oh. we found full check. And now she's like, it's a great day. I'm fine. Yeah. So, yeah. Plans back like, on. That's what's getting her motivated. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's the only so, thing you have. Like, so she, and then yeah. you've got Summer who does go home. I do. I leave. And then you see. Is that Marissa in the other room? Yeah, that was really... She's got to get out of there. Wait, what do I say? I say, give a hoot, don't pollute. Yeah, that's a thing. That's an actual saying? Yeah, yes. when I was that's growing, an, that's when an I was, old like, 70s Well, term, 80s it? for 80s. me. But yeah, when I was a kid, that would be all the like, give a hoot, don't, don't pollute. pollute. That was like all of the, it was like Smokey the Bear. Smokey the Bear. And then give a hoot, don't, don't pollute. pollute. Yeah. We need to bring that back. And it was like an owl who would say it. You know, yeah. Heather Heather Mills McCartney's going to be oh there. Oh my God. How about dating us? That was that hot was, goss in 2000. It was. I was thinking in my head. I was like, what year? What is... Yeah. Well, yep. the, the other moment that I was like, when Julie's is so pissed off about um, that, that Ryan won't go after Volchek, and she's just lost, and Neil admits to this affair, and she goes, what? Yeah. So Do you think she's actually listening, though, and just doesn't want to deal? I, I think she did. I actually, when I... Th- my memory is that she hears it and just decides to say... What? Yeah. That's, yeah. I think she. Uh, that's her, that was my takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Low on the list of priorities for Julie at that moment. Yeah. Right. Agreed. She doesn't. Because as we know, there's a new love interest heading Julie's way soon. Bang. <laughs> Bullet. Oh, I've heard of this for the past three seasons. You've heard you don't of remember this? this? You acted alongside him in the Gary show. Grubbs. But we haven't seen it yet. No. I know, but it already, it, just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it didn't take place 15 years ago. In my brain, ago. that is exactly All what right, means. all right. Eternal <laughs> sunshine of Rachel's mind. Yes. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, when you're in the, you walk into the yacht club with- uh, Oh, we forgot that part. With, Dear Daddy. With your dad. Very affectionate dad. And you look over and you see Taylor. Taylor Townsend. Mm-hmm. Not in Paris. Not in Paris. Yeah. She's getting food to go. By the way, if you're hiding, kind of like, you know. Well, you got to remember, these were the days before Postmates. Sure. You, you're right. You had to kind of, unless you're doing pizza delivery, you had to go and pick up food. You're right. And That's mom shows like. up. She's not Terrible. in Cabo. Yeah. How do we live? <laughs> yeah. Mom's yeah. on Cabo. Taylor's on Paris. Summer's on Brown. No one's where they're supposed to be. This is the beginning of a very major storyline in season four for Taylor. It's, yes. it's probably one of the most elaborate stories yes i think that and then the, obviously the of the whole show taylor ryan yeah. relationship i'm really excited to see that yeah for the first time ever <laughs> i'm just gonna say peaches yeah what? <laughs> everyone who knows knows well that's not me <laughs> okay we're well, gonna that's the episode that's the episode yeah um we're gonna oh oh well okay i was gonna tell you yeah. I don't know if it fits here. Oh, these are okay. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. We'll do voicemail. Okay. We'll well, do voicemail. No, 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 you gotta, you no, gotta, no, we'll do voicemail. No, you got to do it. You can't bring it up and not. Well, so, so when we got here today, I told Katie and Mindy, we were talking about like comments and, you know, people commenting on things. And there's something going around now. Actually, did you send me this originally? I don't know. What is it? Get to uh, the that Briar is not Hayden's oh. kid. It's act- Briar's actually yours. 
Wow. I did not. I, did I not mean, the resemblance is just striking. Between me and Briar? Yes. Yeah, yeah, clearly not my kid. Yeah, there's yeah. like someone trolling the internet being like, Hayden is not Briar's father. It's actually Josh Schwartz. That's oh, that's hilarious. hysterical. <laughs> you didn't send that to me? Uh, no. Maybe Joel. No. Yeah. So, oh, that would make sense. I mean, that brings up, do you still put much stock in, in messages at all? No. Okay, good. Yeah. Just no. in that one. <laughs> just that one. Well, that one I, I started. <laughs> I put that out there. Right, right. Um, oh, uh, let's hear from some fans. Okay. Here's some fan questions. Is One- Briar your child? No, we just cleared this up. <laughs> Hi, my name is Michael. This is probably my all-time favorite show, so excited to be leaving a question here. And my question is, at what point in season four did you all know that this was coming to an end, and what was the reaction? Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. I mean, I think we went into it assuming this was going to be the end. Like I said, I deluded myself into thinking that the show creatively was good enough that maybe it wouldn't be the end. And then when the when we premiered, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the end. This is the end. Yeah. Oh, so you knew once the first episode aired. Yeah. Just because of ratings? Yeah. Well, ratings had been driving so much of what we were yeah. up to. And uh, and so then I knew it was the end. And, and at a certain point in the season, halfway through, 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 halfway through, uh, Peter Glory, who was the head of Fox at the time, called me and said, I'm sorry, but this is going to be the end. And we said, okay, we kind of assumed that. And was grateful that he gave that information to us ahead of time so that we could build to a very satisfying ending that uh, yeah. I guess I'll come back and talk about. Uh, yeah, you will. But I think that was really nice because a lot of the time we don't know it's ending. Sometimes you, you don't, don't know. give the fans kind of a, yeah. you know, a, yeah. some did closure. It, did it also in the writer's room just give you guys that kind of freedom of we're doing whatever we want? There didn't. Or, or, yes. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, it gave us the freedom to go. Okay, we're not we're not trying to save the show ratings wise anymore. We can go. You know, balls to the wall. I don't even can you say that anymore in twenty twenty. No I don't know, okay. <laughs> Is that a thing you can even say anymore. I don't know. In two thousand six, you could say that's what we said. Let's go mm-hmm. balls to the wall. But um, and that we could end in a way that was was satisfying. You know, um, I remember I was doing the show Chuck after the OC, which you appeared on as Lou, the magical right. sandwich maker Capricola. for a couple episodes. And uh, every season, we did not know if it was going to be the last season or not. So we were always <laughs> building to these like crazy cliffhangers that had to be both like a cliffhanger, but also like if that was the end, you know, and we did that for like, it went five seasons, but every season we had no idea <laughs> what was going to happen. I've, I've read that um, uh, the finale of this ep- show yeah. is one of the most satisfying episodes of all time. Although it does have one question that people what? ask, which we'll talk about when oh, I come when back. we get there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, last shot, the last shot of the show okay. is oh. a big question for people. Okay. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Melinda. This is Jamie from Chilliwack, British Columbia. Big fan of the podcast. You're killing it. And it brought ideas. And Rachel, actually, me and my son, Andrew, just started watching Chuck. And I got so excited to see you pop up in Weird that. Timing. I just love seeing you guys in whatever you do. My question is for what character from the previous three seasons didn't come back in season four? Would you have liked to seen what they would have done in that season? Thank you so much for the podcast. Take care. Well, she says she watches Chuck with her daughter. Funny thing about her daughter. What? It's actually my kid. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Bring it home. Yeah. Bring it full circle. <laughs> she said, is, are there any characters from previous seasons that didn't show up in season four? I mean, Marissa would be the most obvious, right? Well. I think Zach would have been fun, maybe. Yeah. Like, what happened with the comic book or something? Zach! I love having <laughs> Cassidy around. I don't know. I agree. But who no, would I, you, Who would you wanted to, would want to have brought back and explored more, if you could have? Oh, Jimmy. Oh, yeah. Seems like. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy and Luke. 
Would have been yeah. Luke. Yeah. There's so many. So many. Just, Oliver. Ah, <laughs> Oliver and Johnny can just. Oh no, Johnny dies. <laughs> There are three. There were three oh, deaths dear, on the show. Right? Dear Lord, <laughs> season three was dark. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, was there a world? Yeah. In which Marissa, Marissa could come back in flashbacks or other? Were you? So did you ever play with the idea of her coming back for little um, strange appearances or if not, or something? Not strange, like ghosts or yeah. I mean, obviously, it's in this episode, a little bit. There are some stuff in the. Last episode where we, you know, wanted to use some shots of her from prior in the show. Even though she's not in the show, the show is all about her. Right. You know, mm-hmm. right. Uh, her, so presence her presence is, is there. heavily in the show at that point. Yeah. Right. And then at some point, the, the the story moves into some other things. So Yeah. I mean, it took three episodes in season one to kind of land Finish. Ryan at the Cohen house, right? You're kind of in the pilot, Ryan, you brought in by the episode, end of episode three, he's a, he's a Cohen. Welcome to a life of insecurity and paralyzing self-doubt. <laughs> and then in season four, it takes three episodes really to kind of resolve this Marissa story in the sense, not that anyone ever fully moves on, but how everyone is acting. People kind of confront their grief yeah, by that, the end of episode three. That's probably like the one thing I actually remember is like on the therapist's couch going through that's, the yeah, grief stages. The, that's really fun. Norman, I think, directed <laughs> that. And then there's the dinner and you bring all the homeless people yeah. in. <laughs> what? Yeah, oh, she does it. It's called the cold turkey. Yeah, you bring all the homeless people to the dinner, <laughs> yeah. and then one so, of them, so one of them, Scott Krinsky. I don't think you can say homeless anymore. It's unhoused. unhoused. You can. I mean, okay, right? I, you can say homeless. You, okay. There's other words attributed to homeless <laughs> that you can't say oh, anymore. Okay, okay. But he became a regular on. on so Chuck, yeah, he, didn't he? He's, Wait, he showed who did? Scott Krinsky. He's amazing. He's one of the homeless guys, unhoused guys at the dinner. Yeah. And then in the penultimate episode of the show, after the earthquake, there's an earthquake coming. I Just remember that because of pancakes. Yeah, pancakes. They're no. Oh I'm yeah, because Becky brought her. pancakes back, right? See, I remember something. Okay, all right. But he ends up. That character ends up with the Cohen Range Rover. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He ends up with the Cohen Range Rover. Oh, okay. So that's a, that's something. And I then don't he remember. was, and then he was a series regular on Chuck for five years. Right. He was Jeff. Oh my gosh. And you awesome. met him as um, in, in the this, cold turkey. In the cold turkey, and was like, "Look at that face." All right. He's too good. Yeah. Right, right. So funny. I, I love I'm those stories. I'm looking forward to seeing that face. We have also so, thank you for that question and for all your support. That was really nice. I just yeah. wanted to say and for raising my child. And yes, Josh appreciates <laughs> it very much. Well, um, that is the beginning of season four. We have, um, we have. A, I'm really excited for you to see it. Because I'm excited so to much... see it. See, it's kind of like a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like fifty first dates or whatever. 50, that's my movie. Yeah, I am her. Yeah, <laughs> every day, every day. There it's are plenty of podcasts out there where people <laughs> who are on the shows are watching it for the first time. Yeah. Yes. So that's just so you know, you're not alone. It, but it's also that I don't remember anything. Yeah. Well, and that, you, and that you are alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's it. Thanks again for being here, Josh Schwartz. It's always a pleasure. Josh Schwartz. I'll, I'll see you, uh, <laughs> you for the finale. See you at the finale. Yes. Woo, it's been a wild ride. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like to watch us, check it out on YouTube. And you can now listen to bonus features as well as season one and season two of the OC Bitches on Cast Plus. Bye. Bye, bitches.
Welcome to the OC Bitches is brought to you by Cast Media. Executive produced by Colin Thompson, Harris Lane, produced by Katie Kurtwright, edited by Parker Flores and our technical engineers, Travis Holden and Dustin Park.